Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. All the والذي لا تواري عنه سماء سماء ولا أرض أرضا ثم الصلاة والسلام والتحية والإكرام على سيد الأضحى سيد المسلمين يا أبي القاسم محمد المصطفى على الجوهرة القدسية البتول العذراء سيدة النساء فاطمة الزهراء وعلى بعلها أمير وبنيها الذين أذهب الله عنهم الرئس وطهرهم تطهيرا أسيما على بقية الله وحجته الكبرى الذي بيونه رزق الورى وبوجوده ثبتت الأرض والسماء ولوضاه تساخت الأرض بأهلها واللعنة الدائقة على أعدائهم أجمعين من حين عداوتهم إلى قيام يومتين أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في كتابه الكريم لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة Best of my greetings to my respectable Jewish and Christian audience and uh, Assalamu alaikum to all of my respectable Muslim brothers and sisters we send the peace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on all of his prophets, starting from Prophet Adam, Prophet Abraham, Noah, Moses, Jesus, all the rest of the prophets of God, specifically the seed of all the messengers and prophets, our Holy Prophet Muhammad It is important to understand that the meaning of the limit in Islam is widely misunderstood just like the teachings of Islam have been widely misinterpreted. It is important to understand the true meaning of Islam so that we can move forward towards the contents of this religion and likewise it is important for a person to understand why does why in the world a human being stand in need of a religion to lead his or her life despite the fact that all of us have been created with intellect and the instinct which are part of our creation so I would like to shed some light on this as a prelude to my discussion so that we understand why we stand in need of a religion and who has the right 
to formulate and legislate the laws of a religion. And then we can understand what the prophets of God has brought for the guidance of humanity, brought for us. And then we can empower ourselves in a better way to understand the final message of the final messenger who is the seal of all the messengers which has been sent down like what we learn in the light of this verse of Holy Quran which I recited in the beginning of my speech from Surah Ahzab where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that certainly in the Prophet of Allah certainly in the messenger of Allah lies a role model for you so we can understand and realize the highness why the highness of the spirituality of the holy prophet and why he has been made a role model for us the religion islam the word islam is defined as al islam tislim we find the hadith has said very clearly that uh, said, I'm going to define Islam in a way that no one has ever defined it before me and no one is going to define it after me except if someone defines it exactly the way I'm, do, I'm doing. And then he said, Islam Islam is the essence of submission. Essence of submission towards truth, haq, righteousness, the command of the Lord. And as soon as we have this essence of submission towards the command of our Creator, whatever is haq, quote unquote, righteousness and true, we will certainly end up having, uh, we will certify everything that has been told, and our certification, our certifying of those teachings will lead us towards certitude and yaqeen and itminan and peace in the soul, because the hometown of peace is the soul, just like the hometown of pain is the soul and uh, the body of a human is lying there when a person passes away he feels no pain and he feels no happiness because the soul has already departed isn't that right so when we talk about peace when we talk about happiness when we talk about itminan and certitude we are talking about everything related to the soul of a human being which is invisible so so when we have this yaqeen in the qalb and certitude in the soul, it will lead us towards ada and performance. And ada is nothing but amal, actions. Practically, we need to take steps. Because at the end of the hadith, he said, A believer, the believer takes his religion from his Lord. And he does not take the religion from his opinion. So, um, this is what Islam is. 
Islam is a religion that is asking the believers, the men of conscience and reason, to believe in what their Lord has said and submit to what He has said. And uh, uh, since Allah, our Lord, when He created the angels, He provided to them, provided nothing except nur and divine light. They are created from the divine light and nur. That's why the angels can never think of sinning because they don't have any any incentive to do a sin. We do sins because of our desires. They don't have the desires in them. So all they have is nothing but nur and divine light, which always takes a person towards divine obedience and submission. And Allah, God created the animals and provided into them nothing but desires, lusts, shahwat. And that's the reason why we understand that the animals can think of nothing but their sexual reproduction and to fill up their stomachs. That's the farthest they can, they can do. So because they don't have the nur and divine light provided to them. And then the hadith is informing us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human being and provided aql, that means the intellect, and shahwat, which means the desires. So we have both of the things provided in our existence by virtue of our creation. So those are the human beings who give preference to their intellect and uh, start obeying Allah by submitting to what God has said will elevate themselves to become higher than the angels. Angels, if they obey God, there is no praise for them because they have no other option. All they have is the divine light. They don't have the desires, so they cannot do anything wrong. They cannot go astray. So if they do good, they have no praise either. Just like you tie up the hands of a person and you put a million dollars in front of him and you come back after an hour and say, this guy is a very pious and noble and law-abiding person. See, he did not steal. Well, you tie up his hands and feet, he could do nothing. So there is no test because you didn't give him the right to do the same. So angels have no praise if they are obeying God because they don't have the desires. So if a human being, despite the fact that he has the desires, but he gives preference to his intellect over his desires and feelings and lusts, he becomes superior to the angels. And uh, if a human being gives preference to his desires over his uh, intellect and aql, he becomes inferior and worse than the animals who cannot do that sort of uh, obedience and cannot comprehend at all. They do have some level of obedience, let's be very clear, but that's a very, very inferior level of obedience. Everything that you is obedient to God. The Quran has already said, Everything is doing the tasbih, is glorifying them. It's Lord. But you guys don't understand the tasbih. So we understand that yeah, just because we could not comprehend what these plantations and water and rocks and soil and clouds and mountains and everything around us is, is doing the tasbih of Allah, is glorifying the praise of the Lord. Just because we fail to understand and comprehend, that doesn't give us a license to challenge or denounce or deny that they are not obedient to God. 
every single existence in the universe is perfectly obedient to God. But that's a very low level of obedience. That's what we were talking about moments ago. We are talking about you know, the obedience which is belonging to the high level of human intellect. Because they don't have that high level of intellect in their existence, so that high level of obedience cannot be found, cannot be performed by the animals. Human is a component of a body and a soul. Soul is superior to the body for several reasons. And soul can survive and will survive forever. The body will be decaying in our graves after a few years, except for those who are pious, but can never decay their body in the graves. So because we have, we human beings have a component called soul in our existence, which with the hometown of this soul, the Watan of this soul is Alamut the world of divine light, the unseeable world, Alamut so since the hometown of this soul is the unseeable world, if we need to provide satisfaction and peace to our souls, we must treat our souls with teachings belonging to the unseeable world, which is Alamut because that's where the hometown of the soul is. So whatever, you know, things that are belonging to this world, how much money you can make, what sort of car you can drive, what sort of house you live in, it's nothing to do with your soul because these are all material things and it, it does not, it's not compatible, it's not soul friendly. So it doesn't belong to this alamul mulk, how in Islamic philosophy we call it, the world of matter. It doesn't belong to this world. So it's not matter friendly creature that you can earn more material things and still try to provide satisfaction and peace to your soul. Since we have a soul uh, which is eternal, so we must provide teachings belonging to the hometown of the soul, which is the metaphysical world, non-material world of Nur, of divine light. And that's where the role of the prophets comes in, because we do not, as human beings, do not have access to the unseeable world. So we need people who serve as liaisons between the humankind and the unseeable world to bring those teachings that can serve our spirituality and make us spiritually perfect so that we can achieve Nuraniyat, that means the divine light in our qalb, in our soul. That's the entire purpose of all the prophets of God. And um, um, there are, um, in Islam, we strongly believe that uh, we stand in need of all the prophets of God because we do not know our past, we have no clue about our future. And uh, when we are such existences, we have no clue about our past, and we don't know nothing about our future. And uh, second of all, we are fallible, we make mistakes. And third of all, uh, any law that we can devise, that we can legislate, Will, uh, will, be in, will be unable to provide salvation and eternal success for our souls because we have no clue what the soul is. When you don't know something, how can you make a law for something you don't know? 
what benefits the soul and what harms the soul. There is no institution, academic institution on the planet Earth or no human being on the planet Earth who can dare tell you anything about your soul. Because no one has seen the soul. No one knows what benefits it and no one knows what harms it. So that's precisely why one of those reasons why we stand in need of the prophets of God. And that's why in Islam we believe that legislation of a law, how we call it in the terminology, the legislation of a law is a soul is something which is with Allah only because He's our creator. No one can legislate a law for the humans except our creator. Uh, whatever laws we make will be always vulnerable to amendments and changes because our interests keep on changing, our information keeps on updating. We are ignorance as compared to the limitless knowledge of our creator and we lack wisdom as compared to the limitless wisdom of our creator and the laws that the human beings make will always be influenced by political parties, groups, influential class, elite class, financial interests, and other social factors. <laughs> Whereas any law that God is going to legislate for the human being will be above and beyond all these things because God does not stand in need of anything. When we do something, we do it because we want to achieve certain goals. Whereas God, when he legislates a law, he doesn't stand in need of nothing. So what he would devise for us is not for any reaching a goal or because he is needy, because he would do it for the sake of the success and salvation of his creatures. So we cannot surrender a human being to a fellow human being to make a law for us. Likewise, we cannot surrender a human being to his own self or her own self to make a law. So, a law is considered to be a law. A religion is considered to be a religion, a code of life for the humankind if it can guarantee eternal success because the soul is eternal. You have a component in your existence which is eternal. The body is temporary and it will decay. But you are not only a body. When you have a component which is eternal, the laws that your eternal component should obey and follow has to be some those kinds of laws which provide eternal salvation and provide benefits eternally to that thing. So we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has said to the Holy Prophet Surah Naval, You are receiving the Quran from the wise and knowing. So God is all wise and all knowing and He has the right to reveal the book and teach us what we are supposed to do. Just like, uh, you know, uh, if you buy, a, 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 you know, any gadget, any uh, anything, uh, you know, any television, let's suppose you buy a Panasonic television and you have the brochure, the manufacturer provides a brochure alongside its product. Isn't that right? With all those details written, how you are supposed to deal with this product. You know, this the Panasonic Corporation provides a brochure with all the do's and do nots. You know, and the troubleshooting guide with the, with the brochure. So, uh, no one can challenge, you know, 
I have such a such degree from such academic university, uh, from Sorbonne or Oxford or Cambridge or you know Yale or Harvard, whatever. So I don't stand in need of Panasonic Corporation dictating me what am I supposed to do with this study vision. You would never find somebody giving that sort of silly remark, isn't that right? Because the Sony or the Panasonic Corporation knows its product best because it's the manufacturer, isn't that right? So we find we human beings are the product of God. Let the Creator decide what benefits us and what harms us. Nothing outrageous, absolutely logical. So they say that the human being doesn't come with an instruction manual. But that's exactly what the Holy Quran is. That's exactly what the Bible was, the real Bible. That's exactly what the real Torah was, which we respect and we must respect all of those great books sent down by God. So Allah has said, has said in the Holy Quran, Surah Al-Fal, Istajibu, ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, istajibu lillahi wa lil-rasul, idha ta'akum lima yuhyikum, O you who believe, respond positively to the call of God and the Messenger when He calls you to something that gives you life. Say so in Islam, we understand that the teachings brought from the unseeable world where the humankind has zero access to the divine domain of the unseeable world because in Islam we believe there are several worlds so people of this world think, the material materialists think that this is the end of life, that's it this, there was nothing before it and there shall be nothing after this world so they, they are missing out big time on the realities in Islam we believe in several awalim there were several worlds, there were several stages of life before our creation in this world and there are several stages of life even during this world and there shall be several stages of life after we pass away from this world. So the religion of God is so beautiful that it gives us a totally different world view so that we can start seeing things, start seeing ourselves at the first stage with a different perspective. So basically, divine teachings gives us give us life. Life is of you know animals are also living, plantations are also living. So we find you know that the plantations have growth, rushed and numu and growth, but they cannot move. Whereas the animals, this class class of existences, the animals also have growth in them, but they also have his and harakat. They have the senses and they have movements, which makes it superior to the plantations. Animals can move around and they have the senses. Whereas the human beings are superior to the earlier two classes of existences, the plantations and the animals, because in addition to growth and in addition to the senses and capability to move around, the humans also have akal, intellect, and fitrat, which means instinct. Now having reached that state that we understand that we the human beings are superior to animals and plantations because in addition to growth and movement and senses, which we share with some of the earlier classifications of existences, we also have intellect which they don't have. And we also have a fitrat 
which we call a fitrah to tawhidiya, an instinct which is ingrained in our existence. And uh, that fitrah, that instinct of the human, and that aql and intellect in its pure form, untainted by the human desires and whims and wishes, is something which is common, uniformly found in all the human beings from the earlier generations and the later generations without a difference. Now that the, we understand that all the human beings uh, have the same instinct and intellect as common, so um, the religion which can serve their purpose, their goal of creation, their goal of life has to be one as well. Because the religion can be something that serves your instinct and serves your intellect and is in sync with your intellect and it's in sync with your instinct and fitrat. Any religion which is against the intellect cannot be accepted. Any religion which is against the human instinct cannot be accepted. Humans have a body and a soul. Body has different requirements and needs and different lifestyles that the human have been adopting since the beginning. You find that humans used to live in caves and later on they transfer into the houses. Earlier the humans used to wear sheepskins or whatever leather to protect themselves. Now you have all those different kinds of uh, you know high-tech dresses and Gore-Tex waterproof breathable dresses available. Isn't that right? In earlier days they used to walk on foot or on camels and mules and donkeys. Right now we have airplanes and shuttle. Isn't that right? So these means of, uh, of uh, you know, and means that we have been adopting for the for the for for our body has been differing throughout the throughout the passage of time. But the instinct of a human can never change. La tabdila Allah Quran has clearly announced the fitrat. Uh, you know, we understand in the light of this verse that the fitrat of Islam, of a human being, the instinct of the human is unchangeable. La tabdila And because the fitrat and instinct is unchangeable, the religion which can serve one uniform instinct of all the human beings and one uniform intellect of all the human beings has to be one because tawhidul kathir and taksirul wahid are impossible things in philosophy. You cannot, one cannot be multiple and multiplicity of one and uh, oneness of multiples are impossible in philosophy. So, now that uh, this much has been made clear. Uh, the next step to understand is that the source is also one, which is God. And one source cannot ask multiple agendas. There's no way one God can ask the human beings, his creatures, to do multiple things. If there were multiple sources from where the prophets came, it makes sense that prophets would have been inviting the people for towards multiple agendas. Since the source is one, which is God, every prophet came from the same God, and they have the same God, representing the same God, since the source is one, so the message has to be one as well. And um, that's precisely in Islam, we believe that all the prophets of God, in the Dina, in the Lahir Islam, God has 
uh, you know, the one religion which is Islam, and uh, all the prophets were Muslims, Makana Ibrahimu, Yahudiyan, Wala Nasraniyan, Walakin Hanifan Musliman. Ibrahim was neither a Yahudi or Nasrani, but actually he was a Muslim. So all the prophets, Jesus was a Muslim, may peace be upon him. Moses was a Muslim, may peace be upon him. And all the prophets of God were Muslims, inviting towards God for the same agenda. When it came to our holy prophet Muhammad wasallam, uh, the teachings of Islam were uniform. Minor differences of the code of Sharia because of the evolution taking place according to the needs and the capabilities of the human beings which are evolving and updating constantly. Minor changes in the, in the Sharia kept on uh, happening but the essence and the mainstream teachings were all the same. You know, prayers and fasting and Hajj, pilgrimage to Makkah and Hijab and all those things were all the same. You find even today, you go and find all those paintings of Virgin Mary everywhere, you know. Almost every other painting you find, her head is covered. Isn't that right? So, you find the dresses that uh, uh, all those sisters and nuns wear are almost the same, similar to the concept of Hijab that we have. So basically, Islam was one Islam. It was one religion promoted by everybody. And when it came to the Holy Prophet, we respect all the Prophets of God. We believe in all of them and their teachings. We believe that our Holy Prophet is just the seed of all the Prophets and the most superior of all. And uh, he has mentioned in his own Hadith and tradition I have been sent down to take the, the, the great morals to, to, to its perfection, to exalted character to its perfection. So he took the same moral teachings of Islam to its peak and summit because he is the most highest. And uh, there are four important obligations that the Prophet had, which I would like to mention quickly and move forward. The first obligation that the Prophet had is taqwiyatul aql, strengthening of the intellect of the human beings. We have desires piling up, our whims and wishes crushing the call of intellect, so despite the fact that humans, all the humans have intellect, but they still stand in need of the prophets of God because of our desires. What happens is that our desires drag us towards sins and our egos and whims and desires. So these drag us towards the sins and instead of obeying the creator, we start obeying what we like to do, what we want to do. We start deciding on our own what we like, we want to do it. Because we like it. Whether our Creator likes that for us, for our eternal success or not, becomes irrelevant. So when this kind of situation happens, the, actually the uncle and intellect of a human is still there. It can never be killed or what happens is it's, it's crushed by the desires. So the job of the prophets of God is to remove the pile of desires which are covering up 
the human intellect so that the intellectualism surfaces up because the definition of intellect has also been defined you know in the hadith that uh, imam sadiq has said Aql is something, intellect is something with which you obey Rahman. So no one can say, well, I'm doing the sin because my intellect is guiding me towards doing that sin. It's incorrect. We do sins because my desires are misguiding me towards the sins. And I'm ignoring the call of my quote-unquote Aql, intellect, which is created by God, the Creator, to take me towards His obedience. So I'm not doing His obedience, I'm doing what I want to do. That's not His obedience. So I'm misusing, I'm misusing my capabilities and I'm not using my uncle and intellect. And uh, that's maybe one of the reasons why Islam has prohibited everything that harms your uncle. Starting from intoxicants, everything that impairs your thinking power, even though it may be for a while, drugs, getting addicted to any kind of drugs, you know, love and la'ib, all those, you know, unacceptable kinds of music and uh, things which actually engage the person and makes him or her ghafil and ignorant away from his intellectual or her intellectual responsibility towards the Creator. So anything and everything that impairs your intellectualism is, is not permiss permissible in Islam. So Islam wants your aql and intellect to be remaining in the pure form, untainted. And uh, uh, the second uh, job of the Prophet and all the Prophets of God is teaching our us akhlaq and morals. Islam is a religion of morality. Your prayers and fasting your behavior towards your God comes later on. What's your behavior towards your fellow human beings? Prophet was very particular about this. The way he used to behave towards non-Muslims. Best of the morals. We need to have best of etiquettes when we deal with our fellow human beings who do not share the same belief system with us. We need to respect them. We need to honor them. We need to treat them with love and respect and morals. That's how our Prophet used to promote Islam. Remember the famous story which uh, you must have heard about already when there was that Jewish neighbor who used to throw garbage on the head of the Holy Prophet every morning when he used to come out of his house. I was thinking if we were there in the place of the Holy Prophet and somebody throwing garbage on my top of my head, we could possibly go and just sue the person. Isn't that right? We can find a petition against him. Prophet never said a word, not even a word of complaint against that person. Till the time arrived that one day when Prophet came out of his house and he found that this person is no longer there to throw garbage on his head. And Prophet inquired from his companion and they told him that the guy is sick. Prophet said, we're going to go. We will go, to, you know, I'll go and pay a visit. Prophet, they came, and the door was knocked, his wife came out, and she, Prophet said, she, who's there? Prophet says, it's me, Rasulullah, Ana Rasulullah. She kept the Prophet waiting at the door and rushed to her husband first. And she said to her husband, you know who came to pay a visit and inquire about your well-being? 
the same prophet of Muslims upon whom you used to throw carpets daily. And he, he said to his wife that, well, first bring me a bed sheet so that I can cover my face so I don't end up having eye contact with him because I'm feeling so embarrassed. And she did the same. She brought a bed sheet and this guy covered his face and then the prophet was allowed to enter the house. He came and he sat. He came there and he inquired about the health of that person. And he was, you know, he came there to inquire about the health of the person. And he said, well, before I even talk to you, please teach me for the sake of Prophet Abraham, for the sake of Prophet Ismail, for the sake of Prophet Moses, for the sake of Prophet Jesus, please first teach me how can I embrace your religion, Islam. That's how the Holy Prophet spread Islam, not by the power of salt. And those of the people who think like that, they have nothing to do with the teachings of the Holy Prophet. Islam is a religion of love and morals. And we find when the daughter of Hatim al-Tai, she was also part of the warring machine against Islam. Prophet never initiated a war in his life. All those 72 or 73 wars that were fought in the time of the Holy Prophet were defensive in nature. He had the right to wage a strike, the preemptive strike given by Allah. This right was given by God to the Prophet. He didn't use his right. All the wars, wars were waged by the, by the disbelievers and pagans against the Prophet of Islam and he defended. So she, she was part of the, the daughter of Hatim al-Tahi, was part of the warring machine. She also got uh, captured in the war. When she was brought to the city of Medina, which was the capital of the first Islamic government of the Holy Prophet, we find she started to talk to the Holy Prophet in Medina and said that my dad, that means Hatim al-Tahi, was a Sahi person, a generous person. Generosity is deeply appreciated and one of the very high morals in Islam. As soon as she said that, Prophet said to you know, some of those companions and Ashab who were there taking care of the captives, Prophet said, خَلُّوا عَنْهَا فَإِنَّ أَبَاهَا مِمَّا You know, leave her, set her free because her father مِمَّا يُحِبُّ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ because her father was one of those who loves the high morals. Just because her father was generous in his behavior, in his morality, Prophet is setting free his daughter who has, was part of the warring machine and she is a captive. So this is how Prophet was. That's how he used to promote Islam. And when at the occasion of the victory of Makkah, we find that one of the companions of the Prophet raised the voice, Al-Yawm Yawmul Malhama. Today is the day of massacre. That means we are, now is the time we can, we are, we will take revenge from all those idol worshippers who took, who threw us out from the city of Makkah and we need, we had, we end up migrating from Makkah, our hometown, towards Medina. Now that we are coming back victorious into the city of Makkah, today is the day of revenge. When Prophet heard that statement, he sent somebody to go and say to that person, Al-Yawmul Marhama. Today is the day of mercy. And Prophet forgave everyone in the city of Makkah who was supposed to be forgiven. 
So this is how we find the holy prophet uh, was in his morals. He never um, picked up any tree or any branch of it. He never used to cut any any tree or uproot any tree. He never killed any animal. You know, of course, if you are slaughtering uh, halal meat animal for eating and consuming, that's a different thing. But otherwise, unnecessarily killing an animal just for the sake of fun, Prophet never did that. He didn't used to kill any human being. Never injured any human being. And uh, we find that there is no room in Islam for collateral damage. How they say in today's terminology, you know, lots of civilians have been killed, are being killed, day in and day out, by some of those people who talk about freedoms and democracies. But the civilians are targeted. In Islam, there is no room for any collateral damage. You cannot kill any woman. You cannot kill any child. You cannot burn any plantation in the law of the Holy Prophet. You cannot damage the property of the people. You cannot even kill a man if he lays down the weapon. You cannot torture any captive. There is no room for any kind of torture towards the captives in Islam. Captives need to be treated with respect and dignity. So Islam doesn't allow these kinds of, uh, you know, unjustifiable, unacceptable and, you know, uh, sometimes even shameful behaviors towards captives. Uh, what we saw in, you know, in Gitmo and what we witnessed in Abu Ghuram prison is something that basically no human being can think of. Those crimes taking place in today's world. And uh, the third job of the Holy Prophet is knowledge. Islam is a religion that promotes science, supports science and knowledge and seeking knowledge. Our Prophet has already said, Seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. And uh, even if the captives in those wars, if anybody knew how to read and write and can teach another fellow person how to read and write, that captive would have been set free from captivity because he taught another person how to read and write. How much emphasis had been laid in Islam in teaching and knowledge and learning. And the fourth job is the hidayat and guidance towards nur and the divine light. And uh, um, uh, I still have five minutes to go and uh, uh, I would like to very quickly mention some important points which are considered to be specifically found in the religion Islam with all that emphasis. First of all, the religion Islam is the religion of delil and evidence when it comes to our belief system. No Muslim, nobody is supposed to believe in, in the religion without evidences, not just because you are born to such and such parents. This is unacceptable. You've got to have concrete intellectual evidences for everything that you believe in. There is no room for blind following of anybody, including your parents. Islam is a religion of evidences and delil. The second thing about Islam is the religion of and worship of God. That means we submit ourselves towards the divine command of our Lord. And third of all, Islam is the religion of haq and truthfulness. So in Islam and Islamic teachings uh, of the Holy Prophet, 
Majority is not authority. What is true and right is authority. Sometimes the majority can be wrong. Isn't that right? And it happens in, in several times in the human history. So you need to have evidence for what you do, the policy you adopt, the lifestyle you follow, the line of action that you tread. You need to have evidence for that. It has to be hock and true. You know, not just saying, and the goals never justify the means, just like the communists used to say, you know, in their own heydays, that even if you can, for the sake of a good cause, you can kill 100,000 people, let's suppose, it's okay, because the goal is good. In Islam, the goals never justify the means. Every step of the way has to be in sync with the human rights, in sync with the Islamic teachings, and nothing should be against, uh, you know, uh, the human dignity and nothing should be against the righteousness. And uh, fourth of all, the significant aspect of the teachings of the Holy Prophet is the values. Islam is a package of values. Shuja'at, Shahamat, Karamat, Iffat, Haya, Ghairat, Taqwa, Wara, Zuhud. All those beautiful Islamic values, respecting your parents, respecting your neighbors, you know, uh, respecting your guests, your behavior towards each other, your morality, your reason, your conscience. Beautiful and morality is something which is fundamental in Islam and that has the highest level of importance. I don't care what some of those Muslims, so-called Muslims may be doing out there, those evil Taliban or evil Al-Qaeda or whatever evil people. We have nothing to do with the Holy Prophet and his teachings and nothing to do with Islam whatsoever. You know, we don't care about what they are doing. I mean, there are some bad people in every community. You can never generalize. You know, just because we have a Timothy McVeigh, we cannot say all the Oklahoma citizens are terrorists. Isn't that right? So we can say all the Christians are terrorists because of Timothy McQuaid or you know, or because of what Hitler was a Christian. So we can the history says 16 million humans were killed in the Second World War. We cannot say all the Christians are bad because of Hitler. We cannot generalize like this. When we are talking about the religion, let's keep the what the what some of the so-called followers of that religion have been doing whether in the name of the religion or without using the name, but what some so-called followers have been doing in the name of the religion, we cannot relate that behavior to the religion itself. Because we are talking about the, what the religion says. When we are talking about the religion, we have to discuss what the prophet of God, who is the representative of the religion, has done and practiced and promoted. There may be people out anytime you can possibly find people, bad guys available in different faiths, and uh, you can find, you know, and uh, basically they, what they are doing is, con is condemned and has nothing to do with what the Prophet has said and promoted.